What's up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight, where we're coming at you each and every week with a fresh weekend, a debrief, and an effort to send biblical truth. And what better way to do that than by the power of conversation? I'm one of your hosts, Caleb Pearson, joining me again in the host spotlight, Miss Alicia Battaglia. Alicia, how are you? I'm very well. Good. Um, What's trying the scoop? to thaw out because I was going to mention it. It's freezing. There's that whole <laughs> fake been... spring in Virginia, it right? Is. And then it's just obliteratingly cold. And then it'll get warm again. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, the, yeah, somebody said there were, there were 10 seasons in Virginia. Every season needs a fake start, and then it jumps back into the previous season. Exactly. And then there's John Morrison, who's going to Texas. You know what I mean? He's Good. like, y'all can guys. deal yeah, with just, it. We just have one season. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hot and humid. Um, That's right. But, hey, but you know what? Hmm. There's something going on very special today that warms all of our hearts. Hmm. Today, shout out. Is Mark Carey's birthday. And Lisa Graham's. And Lisa Both Graham's. Both of them. Happy yeah. birthday, friends. Yeah. Happy birthday, you too. Yes. Uh, and tomorrow, Scott Sandmeyer's. Oh, wow. March is a busy month around here. It takes us about four minutes to do the birthday song in our staff meeting. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, yeah, exciting stuff. Exciting, yes. Uh, Guys, let's jump into a Sunday in review. Uh, Pastor John's here with us. Uh, We were in John chapter 13. Alicia, I'm going to come your way first, and we'll uh, we'll see where we head after that. So, Pastor John, you opened us up with Isaiah 66, which mm-hmm. I thought was so good. And you just brought to light that Jesus is humble and he trembles at his Father's word. And you're setting the stage of what this um, humble servant serving like a Savior looks like. Um, and I thought about, um, in talking about the Father, or Jesus trembling at the Father's word and just the submissiveness. And I think you used the word um, yieldedness Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. Jesus to the Father. Um, John chapter 1 came to my mind Mm. about who Jesus is. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word, uh, sorry, excuse me, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And I thought that those verses kind of picture what's happening in John 13, in that Jesus here is, um, he's having this final meal with his disciples, and he is sharing his final words with them. Mm -hmm. And he is the word. And here he is washing their feet in humility. And we see him as the life. Mm -hmm. He is the life. And then we've also um, are seeing Judas's imminent betrayal, that Mm -hmm. revealing. And I love how verse five says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And you brought that out about how, you know, there's this evil that is brewing, Mm -hmm. but the evil is not what's in control. Mm -hmm. It's the sovereign God who Mm -hmm. is in control Mm -hmm. of all of these events. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is uh, fulfilling this plan that was um, before time, (laughs) this plan that was predestined before time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, It really, that, that verse two of chapter 13 which I mentioned in the sermon stuck stuck out to me in a way that it never had before. Um, all of us have read John's Gospel. All of us are familiar with Jesus washing feet, but it really struck me that 
that in verse 1 and in verse 3, you have these bookends of what happens in verse 2, the bookends being Jesus knew what was coming, and the other bookend, Jesus knew what was coming. <laughs> and and it's, it's this um, totally in the Father's hand, oh, and by the way, Satan has entered into the heart of Judas to go and betray him. And, and not that that's insignificant. Somebody asked me afterwards, are you saying it's, it's insignificant that, that Satan entered into the heart of Judas? And by no means, just the fact that it was comforting to me to realize that even when there were bad things afoot, um, mm. uh, that, that the Lord was in control. The Lord was sovereign. The Lord was uh, well aware of, uh, Jesus was well aware of what was going on. And it was like, yes, right now Satan has entered into the heart of Judas. And we know that because a couple of minutes later, he's going to say, go and do what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. So it's, he's just palpably aware of it. But it's not preoccupying him. He's mm-hmm. he's he's much more occupied with with what the father has ahead for him, and that I don't know. It it it, uh, it made me want to have the focus on the father, mm-hmm. the focus on God's intent for me for my life, rather than the focus on the thing I struggle with, you know. Um, and then coupled just, in that is is the um, part of the motivation. Well, my. The motivation is having loved his own mm-hmm. who were in the world. He loved them to the end. Yes. And so you can see uh, enveloped in this, you know, the beginning and the end there is it's in, enveloped in love. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the purpose mm-hmm. of the father's heart. And that's mm-hmm. the purpose of Jesus's mm-hmm. heart and actions that he's getting ready to display mm-hmm. to his mm-hmm. disciples here, which is really neat. And that idea that... Jesus is sandwiching the, the God perspective and the, you know, this is going to happen with the sin is is so cool because he, there is an awareness of the darkness and the sin and there's an address of it too. It's not a total escape of it. Right. And it's so cool to see it. I mean, obviously Jesus is going to be the perfect example, right? Of, yeah. of using what I know about the Father to dictate how I respond to the yes. flesh in front of yes, me yes, 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 instead of instead of the other way around, which right. is going to be our bent, right. Is, right. is right. what I know about the flesh is going to determine what I know right. about God. But John, I love me some upper room discourse, man. I <laughs> love it. And, and John 13 through 16, and shout out to Dennis McNutt. He's a long-term mentor of mine. Yeah. He loves John too, yeah, he and does. he gets into this oh, stuff. He does. He and, does. And I like, just love the stuff you bring out. Oh. Um, you brought up those those three questions. Are you bathed? Are you your, your feet clean? Are you focused on them? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just the picture that all gives us in the the even the theological implications of being bathed and baptized versus a fellowship and a cleansing of the feet is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. That was actually a question that I had, um, Mm. that I thought, um, you helped, you helped me to understand more clearly. And I want to go back and I want to read it, um, just for the listeners. Verse 10, Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. And so I was, what does, I was thinking as I was, what does this mean? <laughs> and, and it, uh, you helped me to see that with the, are you bathed and that being completely clean, that I associated that with our identity in Christ, mm-hmm. that that's who we are declared to be. That's right. We've been justified. That's our position in Christ. We are declared clean. Yeah. We are declared righteous. Yeah. But are your feet clean? Well, you you mentioned 
preaching the gospel to ourselves every day, mm-hmm. we're still sinning. We yeah. still are in, as Mark Carey said, was these these bodies of sin. We yeah. still sin, and so there's this um, this sanctification process, this need of daily repentance mm-hmm. because of our sin mm-hmm. and how God. Uh, yes, we are in Christ, but we are called to walk in our identity. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's where that daily foot washing comes mm-hmm. in play. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that, so that helped clarify that for me because I was a little confused about that. The idea of feet washing. You are my child. What have you been up to? <laughs> what, what have you been walking and doing? And, and how can there be a, a fellowship? I, I think it mentioned... you. Uh, you you have no share with me if I do not wash you in this moment. Yeah. And the feet, the the fellowship and the experience, and what's so cool about the gospel, John, is how it can be a foundation to uh, theologically understand a lot of other passages that speak to fellowship and, and the the epistles of John later on, and and what Jesus is saying here. And in fact, he even says you might not fully understand what's mm-hmm. happening right mm-hmm. now, but soon you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that speaks to things he's saying, and, and it also is just ironic about so much else that's going on in that moment. Um, but it's very vivid Don, imagery. Don Dunhartog, Don Dunhartog makes the point um, in, in his extensive studies in John, and, mm-hmm. and he just loves the book, uh, too, like what you were saying about Dennis. But he makes the point that um, up until, I think it's chapter 12, uh, maybe, maybe a little mm-hmm. earlier, but I think it's chapter 12, he sees virtually everything that's being done so far as, as evangelistic in orientation. It's constantly believe on him for life, believe mm-hmm. on him for life, believe on him. I mean, it's over and over throughout the book. But he uh, he made the point, and I, I hope I don't misquote him in this, but I remember him saying this, and it was kind of a click to me that he said, but from chapter 13 on, Jesus is focusing not on evangelism, but on fellowship. Mm-hmm. And that it's interesting that he starts with the foot washing, mm-hmm. which is a symbol of that, Um and and so I I think it's a uh, mm-hmm. it's, it, the point that you made about um, how he is how he is addressing the uh, the bathed experience of believing on Christ and the washing on spirit. I mean I, I like how Caleb put it. What have you been doing? Yeah. Uh, you know the yeah. The, yeah. the difference between those two in his mind is is. Uh, Chapter 13 is kind of an appropriate place for that to happen because mm-hmm. up until now, he's largely been talking about how are you bathed yeah. right. by believing. And right. now he's going to go more and more on what does it mean to walk with mm-hmm. me as a believer? And the yeah. audience pivots from various groups, various people to his disciples. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. even even the things that happen after Judas is removed then yeah. gets almost even more intimate. Yes. And it arrives at a cool conclusion. John chapter 13, verse 34, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. Now, it's so easy to hear that verse and feel that verse and then spiritually remove yourself from the context and say, I got to go love like Jesus does. And then what does that mean? Well, I I need to die for my friends. There's some biblical Mm -hmm. emphasis to that. But what what has Jesus just done for people Mm -hmm. when he arrives at the conclusion, love as I have loved? Mm -hmm. He serves them. He he participates in an intimate fellowship with their grime and their growth. It's discipleship. And that is why he arrives at the conclusion, love as I have loved. Well, and what back to what you were saying earlier, Caleb, when um, Jesus says, if, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Back in Luke 22, when he, Jesus is talking to Simon, he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, but he might sift 
so that you, he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may mm. not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. So here we see that the struggle is real. Satan is out yeah. to steal, kill, and destroy. And yeah. he's after Peter. But Jesus prayed for his faith. Yeah. And then, well, number one, that just encourages my heart to much, so much. And, and I was thinking about that today, just thinking right now, Jesus is before the throne of God, interceding on my behalf. Mm, yeah. Wow, that is so freeing and what a comfort. But then he goes on, and when you have turned, strengthen your brothers. And that's where that aspect of, okay, this is not just for you. You go out and you share. Mm -hmm. You uh, be an encouragement. You serve your brothers. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so Jesus' instructions are spot on. <laughs> Jesus at the right hand of God and then the Spirit interceding on our behalf. It's so so cool to think mm -hmm. about the elements put in place when we pray. And yeah. I, I saw, it's actually a tweet the other day, um, how would you react if you could hear Jesus in the other mm. room praying mm. for you? Mm. What would your ride to work mm. look like mm. if you could hear Jesus in the backseat of your car? You knew it was him yeah. and he was praying for you. Yeah. You'd be like, bring it. There'd be an yeah. element of let's do this yeah. thing. Now, mm. obviously that's hard, but what are we seeing over and over? It's an awareness of God and how he's moving that's going to make those other things feel small. Mm. And that's just a powerful image of like, holy smokes, my Lord and Savior yeah. is with God I love on my that. behalf. And Romans 8 tells us that both the Holy Spirit and Jesus mm. uh, make intercession right. for us. And uh, I mean, it's worth looking there just a moment, just to uh, read two of the verses at mm -hmm. least, um, uh, how he says in um, 8... Uh, Romans, you said? Yeah, Romans 8. Mm -hmm. um, he says in verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not, do not know how we should pray, uh, how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And I, before we go any further, I, I love that verse because of several things it tells us. First, that sometimes all believers identify with the idea that we don't know how to pray as we should. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm, I was just praying about Ukraine uh, yesterday, and I, after I prayed a few maybe normal things you pray about Ukraine, mm -hmm. I noticed I just did not know how to pray. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, I because there's so much weight and you don't know what... I know of some people who needed protection. I mm -hmm. know uh, I knew of... Uh, things I would like to see happen on the ground in a broad way. Um, but I, I just found myself not knowing. And he says, he is so aware of our weakness that when we don't know how to pray as we should, the Spirit himself intercedes for us. So that is comforting, like Alicia was saying. But then the second th part is, with groanings too deep for words. And I, I love that because this is the God who understands every language. This is the God who speaks worlds into existence. Mm -hmm. He knows everything that language can possibly be. And yet some things are so heavy, even God doesn't have words for them. Mm -hmm. And I, I find when I, when I see that, and when I think about that, I think, oh my goodness, when I am at the point that no words even make sense, mm -hmm. that doesn't mean I'm in the wrong spot. It, it means that the spirit meets me right there um, because he says, and he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God, showing that this intercession that he enters into is so 
weighty that he knows what we need when we can't express it. And then he goes on just a few verses later, and he says in verse, uh, same chapter, um, verse 34, who is the one who condemns? Talking about when a person mm -hmm. is experiencing attacking from the enemy, the enemy is just saying, you are a wasteoid. You, mm -hmm. you don't live this Christian life. You, mm -hmm. you know, you're what kind of excuse you are for somebody who claims to be a believer. But then he says, who is the one who condemns? And, and then he says, Christ Jesus is he who died. This is, by the way, such a cool answer. I'll say why in just a minute, I think. Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. So we've now got two members of the Trinity <laughs> speaking to the third member of the Trinity for my sake. Mm. And that's, that's beyond mm -hmm. imagination for me, but it's also interesting because when he says, who will bring a charge against God's elect, verse 33, God is the one who justifies, who is the one who condemns? In other words, is God going to condemn you as a believer? Is he going to condemn you when he sees the things about you that are nothing like what they should be? Hmm. And his answer, rather than even answering the question, is God going to condemn? He doesn't even answer that question. Instead, what he does, he says, well, remember this, Christ Jesus is the one who died. Oh, Rather, he was raised. Hmm. And I think the reason he does that is he died, meaning your sins were paid for. Oh, wait a minute. Even more than that, your sins were paid for. Now he's alive. He's alive, <laughs> and so are you. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's, yeah. to me, it's kind of a little uh, a literary way of communicating this idea that, that uh, he who washes your feet is also washing your feet before the Father. Mm-hmm. He is, uh, he is serving you, and so when he beckons you to serve others, to build them up in their faith, whether mm -hmm. by word or by deed, to encourage them to press on and, and keep on with God, that, that as we're doing that, he's doing it for us. Mm -hmm. Because we don't even have the wisdom, we don't even have the words, we don't even have the, uh, the, the, the oomph to be able to do it. But he, I think, in a manner of speaking, is saying, I will do that through you. In the same way that I washed your feet, you go and wash and it, others' that, feet. And it's so personal and it's so intimate. Mm -hmm. Last night in our small group, we were talking about um, just situations and ways that we have washed other people's feet and, and giving examples and that sort of thing. And my husband, he, he shared about this and I just completely forgot about it, but I thought it was such a neat analogy. Um, but so... He, when we first got married, he was a, what they used to call an orderly, which is now like a, mm. a certified nursing assistant. Um, yeah. And those, those jobs are for, they're, they're the lowest on the, <laughs> on the yep. serve, yep. you know, in the hospital. And it's the dirty work. It's the grunt work. It's uh, changing the diapers. It's handling mm. all of the body fluids. It's um, all the smells, all the yuck. Ugh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that was his job. And um, at first it was hard, um, but then he got used to it and it became just part of the job. You know, he would go in, do the cleanup, all of that. Um, and then his uncle was in the hospital and his uncle had cancer and um, he was he was in he was caring for his uncle and having to change his bedding and uh, all of that and bathing him. And at that point, it changed 
because it was very personal. Mm -hmm. It was, it was a relationship, someone that he really cared about. And Mm -hmm. it was humbling for his uncle as well to receive that care from his nephew. And, um, it just, it made me think about as he was sharing that last night from Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned and God he, he sacrificed an animal to clothe them. Mm-hmm. He, he, he gave them animal skins to clothe them. And so that was a, that was a sacrifice for mm-hmm. their sins. And here Jesus is having this, this meal with his disciples and he is on his way to the cross, mm-hmm. getting ready to be the sacrifice for our sins. Mm-hmm. And, um, so there's, <laughs> It's when we're feeling those moments of shame or um, secret sin or painful memories or whatever it is that um, is that bondage to our hearts. Jesus, for what he did on the cross, he removes that burden of shame. He heals. He makes us whole. He makes us holy. Mm -hmm. It's that it's that cleansing process. And because of his love for us because it is relational, because it is intimate, it's effective. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. It's not for nothing. It is effective love. Life is a boxing ring, so how aware are we of who is in our corner? And we use that knowledge to help navigate that, you know, successfully. You look at the the 1700s, there was a great awakening. You look at the 1900s, there was the Great Depression. Uh, I, I think what we're living now is a little bit of the great emotion. Hmm. It's very emotionally volatile society right now, systems going at it, countries going at it, and everyone's reacting in all these visceral, raw ways. Uh, but the way God operates, there's a calmness to it. Yeah. And the way we can approach God in prayer for clarity is a little bit different than the way the world would offer clarity. And when we go to God with prayer and supplication, I think it's Philippians, we get a sense of peace that doesn't even make sense. Mm-hmm. But the world can only mm-hmm. offer peace that here's how it's all going to you know, fit together. And yeah. As we turned this conversation into prayer, it's just so humbling for me to to think about my prayer life. And I remember I had a mentor in college, sat me down. I said, I'm struggling with prayer, whatever it was. We had a back and forth, and he eventually discerned, uh, you seem to be waiting until you have a firm grasp on what is happening to you before you take it to God in prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that just hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah. I was yeah. like, oh my yeah. goodness gracious, I was yeah. doing that. Yeah, yeah. But a, a groaning too deep for words. Yes. I, I don't yes. fully. So go to God. Go to God with it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's hard. We yeah. have to be reminded. Well, but. that's so. That's so true. And and when Alicia said what she did about uh, about that bondage uh, and shame, I couldn't help but think of uh, uh, Hebrews uh, chapter two, uh, verse fourteen says. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. The ways that we are subject to slavery, um, so much of it has to do with um, you know, either I have repeated this sin or mm. I am ashamed because of this aspect of my life and realizing that when we look at ourselves and we see what has fallen short, um, 
we we sometimes are bound by the kind of the the tentacles um, to the past. And what he's saying is, wait a minute, you're fearful of being judged, which is really a form of fear of death. And you need to realize that the fear of death has been broken for you. There's no need because the one who had the power of the fear of death, that is Satan, his bond on you, his ability to claim you, his ability to label you, his ability to, um, to accuse you and, and to somehow suggest hopelessness to you, that's been broken. And, and it's, and to me, when I, when I think about him, not only bathing us, believing, Mm. believing the gospel and being bathed in the process, but also him washing the feet, it's that reminder to me that John, you, you're no longer bound by the fear of death. And, and ultimately, um, when you're kicking and screaming, um, that kicking and screaming is because there's something that represents death that you're afraid of. And he's saying, we don't have to be. So whether it's that you're in the hospital bed and somebody is having to take care of you because you can't, or whether it's any other circumstance that feels overpowering for you and to realize, wait a minute, I, Jesus, right now, while I am not hoping very well, right, while I am not uh, resting very well, while I'm not... Um, performing very well. I need you to wash my feet. Um, I need you to be my comfort. I need you to be my cleansing. I need you to be my hope. And, and I think that's one of the places where, where the body of Christ comes in and does that. Um, I know that a couple of days ago, Diane and I had each had two days back to back, really more than that, but in particular, those two days that were very, um, very intense. They were very, uh, uh, they were just very challenging from a time standpoint, from a, a duress standpoint. They, there were just a number of, of things that were weighty and weighty and weighty. And I remember I came home from work and I, was, I wasn't worried about, the, about dinner. I was more concerned, like, I really wish Diane didn't have to cook tonight. And mm. I you know, I can scramble some eggs. I mean, I can pour some cereal, but hmm. we had already sold our grill. And so <laughs> there's not a great deal that I know I'm going to do. So as I was driving home, I thought, uh, gosh, I, uh, you know, I, I don't, I really don't want Diane to have to push still again. And I got home and greeted her and, and, uh, you know, put my things down. And, um, then she said, uh, she said something about maybe somebody dropped off boxes or something at the house um, for, for packing in. And I said, oh, great. She said, I don't know who it is. Well, then she or I went to the refrigerator and there was a meal, mm -hmm. a prepared meal wow. <laughs> sitting in the refrigerator. And she said, who brought this? <laughs> and I said, I don't know, maybe the same person who brought the Whatever the other thing was, I can't remember now. She would know, but because uh, she remembers things forever. Um, but I was like, you know, and, and she said, I don't know. And then she started thinking, I wonder if it's so-and-so. I wonder if it's so-and-so. And she wanted to find out, you know, who it was. And, and it was interesting because as I saw that, you know, at five minutes before six, I thought, uh, and, and this was the next passage to preach. It was, I mean, it was last week. And, uh, and I thought, 
someone just washed our feet. Mm. You know, it was like, it was like God's tiny way of just saying, let me lift you up, be your provision in the middle of the need of the moment. And it, it, I think that foot washing takes a number of different forms, but that was just one little example I, of I where the body that. of Christ does that. Let me yeah. ask you this real quick, John. Do you think that would have happened if you weren't part of a local church? No. That blessing. I don't mean it's not, I right. don't mean it's, it's certainly not impossible. Sure. But I would say of the things like that that Diane and I have experienced, mm -hmm. it's over 99% have come specifically because of our connection to Christ mm -hmm. through the body of Christ. And it does make you sad yeah. when you realize people might not have Yeah. That. And there's a cool undertone to that story where you, you mentioned you and Diane and she was rattling off. It could have been this person. It could have been this. How cool is it that there were multiple people coming to mind well, where, you're, where you say, that sounds like that. them. I got to yeah. tell her that. That's, That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So I, as you're telling this story, it's making me think about the end, the end of this passage here where um, in 19 that Jesus is, is doing this and he's telling us that um, you may believe that I yes. am he. Yes. And that, that makes yes. me think about yes. what he said to Moses. I am who I am. Yeah. So who we have here the I am, the yeah. I am he, he is, yeah. he's one with Yahweh. Yeah. And mm. here he is in, um, in his human flesh, in humility, he's took, he's taken on flesh and he's washing his disciples' feet. Yeah. He's, he's doing this as an example for them. And then he goes on in verse 20, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me yeah. and whoever receives me receives the one who sent yeah. me. Yeah. So we are being sent yeah. so that people may yeah. receive God. Yes. This I am this Yahweh. Does that not boom, blow your well, mind? I want to, I want to jump in right there because the, what's interesting is Diane did figure it out. Okay. Uh, we've had this happen where we haven't before figured it out, <laughs> but this one she figured out, she called, she got a confirmation. But what's interesting is this particular person who put that food in our refrigerator, she, like so many people, knows we never lock our doors. Uh, <laughs> You're moving now, so it's safe put, to yeah, say that. <laughs> that's right. So we, so Diane finds out, and one of the things that occurs to me is this, and, it, and it's going to go right back to verse 19 and 20 in this way. This particular woman is, was at the church when we came 29 years ago. They've been here about 31 years, I think. Mm -hmm. And one of the stories I remember about her was a, a, a family who was at the church for quite a while until they moved uh, to Pennsylvania. They were, I guess, in the church for 16, 17 mm -hmm. years. And I remember them telling me the story one time in a small group I was asking about their experience of how they came to fellowship because they had a different church background. So I said, how did it happen that you ended up? And she, the, the husband and wife kind of tag team. They said, well, we came back in about 1991, 92. And we came the first time and we thought the sermon was really good. Uh, there are only about 165 people. Um, and then we left, but we hadn't met anybody. We thought that was a little weird, 165 people, you know, enough people to greet you, but we just didn't happen to get greeted. And they said, well, we realized we were kind of sitting in the back. So they said, we came back the next week and we sat in the middle and we sat in the middle and uh, we, and we enjoyed the sermon. We enjoyed the music and it, we thought, you know, it's nice. And we left the church and we thought, 
Nobody spoke to us. And the husband and wife went back and forth about it all week, and they said, well, we really like the, how they use the Bible, and we like how they worship God, but doggone, we'll try it one more time. <laughs> That's what they said. They said, we were going to try it one more time. If nobody spoke to us, we were gone because we thought, three strikes you know, are out. Mm -hmm. yeah, three strikes are out. So they said, we decide we're going to sit in the front row. So we sit in the front row and we thought, well, for sure people are going to greet us. And so we go through the whole thing. Nobody greets them. And they said, that was it. We looked at each other and it was like, we both knew what it meant. End of church, stand up, turn around, get ready to walk. And they said, we take like two steps down the aisle. And this woman that I'm talking about, the one who left the meal, tapped them on the shoulder and said, hi, I'm so-and-so. What you, what's your name? And they, they told her. She said, would you be interested in coming to my husband's house and mine for uh, lunch after? Well, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, then they come and they visit and they enjoy these. And then they said, we have a small group that meets on Sunday nights. Would you like to come? Well, they were, they were, they were stuck from that day forward. They yeah, never looked yeah. back. But now here is where I think it comes to a complete story because in a manner of speaking, when you do something like greet that person in such a way that they're able to be under the teaching of the word of God, they're able to worship the Lord and grow, that actually means that they actually have a better chance of growing to believe that he is he. They, mm -hmm. they went through a very difficult thing a few years later. Uh, that they that they shared with me, but they held fast to the Lord, and I think part of it is because this woman had been a visible Jesus. She had washed their feet, if you will, by having them over, mm -hmm. and it helped them to know we've got some Jesus people connected to us who help walk with us when we go through a difficult time, and then by receiving that woman, it helps them receive him, which helps them receive the Father, and so really it is what might Lukens uh, did on a video many years ago uh, before hmm. you got it. Well, you were a kid when this hmm. was on. It was about 1978. I mean, 1998. Uh, hmm. uh, it was called Chain of Grace. And that was the theme of the uh, missions conference that year. And he actually did a physical chain around a globe. And I remember thinking forever, that hmm. is the chain of grace. It's Jesus washing the feet of somebody who washed hmm. somebody else's feet, who ended up touching this woman who greeted this person leaving church, who eventually does other things that eventually leads to e even this blessing on us on a day. Mm. Because to me, did I already know that Jesus was God? Yes. Did I already know his father? Yes. But did coming home that day and seeing Diane tired and being mm. tired and having that little blessing, it was just more like saying, oh God, mm. you really are so good. Mm. So, so cool. I don't know how yeah. much that makes sense, yeah, it but does. to me, yeah. it, it, does. it fits yeah. into this thing. Came full yeah. circle. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Guys, good conversation. Uh, that is awesome. Thank you so much, uh, both of you, for being here. I just want to go. Uh, really, I have one announcement, okay? I'm no Mark okay. Francis. But we have the FBC family meeting this Sunday evening coming up, 630 to 8 o'clock. Please come okay. out for that. We'll be there. We will be there, indeed, uh, hosted by yours truly. So uh, normal congregational meeting, just at that different time in the evening, and we'll have dessert, and you'll hear from uh, some elders, some pastors, just about the transition in the next few years, and it's going to be a fun time. So uh, as a reminder, you can find Sermon Spotlight all over the place. Just Google us. We'll pop right up on podcast feeds. Uh, the fact of the matter, everybody, is that sermons are not meant to just take an hour, but rather transform a lifetime. Until next week, much love and God bless.